This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to a post-champion, post-campione edition of Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitz. Uh, last time we spoke, we were we were heading over to Madrid, uh, the big one, trying to bring home big ears. I couldn't get a ticket, so I was resigned to the fact that I was staying at home. But what... What a result uh, to bring to bring to a close an incredible season. To discuss it with me, my two oppos for today on my left hand side is Paul Ghost. How are you, Ghosty? I'm all right. Yeah, how are good, you? Good. I'm all right. You yeah. know, kid. Yeah. Been I'm, a while. I'm doing well. I'm doing all right. Joe Rimmer's on my right hand side. Always, as always. Yeah. As always, my right my right foot. Yeah. <laughs> Seen that film. Um, how are you, pal? I'm good. Thanks. How are yeah, you feeling? Good. Still on a high. Yeah. Even though I saw a Man City fan tweet yesterday that. Liverpool fans still haven't shut up about yeah, it. Still going it's on about it. It's been 11 days. Oh, boy, listen, mate. Yeah. 11 years we're still going on about this. Well, we were going about the last one for 15 yeah, years, yeah. So, but you strap yourselves in, yeah. Man City fans. I, I, that reminds me of that tweet that Graham Roberts put out, uh, ex-Tottenham oh, player. That, I always yeah. ever remember him for one reason. He only had about two teeth in his head. Um, <laughs> and he was in the airport saying, look at this, this is the height of arrogance. Liverpool fans singing before. I'm thinking, what do you want them to do? <laughs> like, they're going. They're on a high yeah. on the way to the Champions League final. Are they not supposed to sing? You absolute bear. I when, think you got when a right did bit enjoying of football become such a such yeah. a bad thing? The rise of Twitter. Yeah. I think. I, I found. A, I, I found a newfound. There's been a newfound dislike of Liverpool fans, hasn't yeah. there? This year, I found. Well, for the last season, sort of mm. people coming out to Woodbury going, "I hate Liverpool fans." Yeah. Probably just the quality of football, I would imagine, and the fact that we were we were supreme. I think it's the, the fan base as well. Liverpool and Manchester United have traditionally got the biggest fan bases. Yeah. They haven't had a lot to shout about for a few years, have they? And Liverpool have had so many massive nights and great results, and the football's been phenomenal. And um, I think that's played a partner. Yeah. Well, as the dust settles on the match, and and obviously the incredible parade, which I was a bit worried about because I thought um, so many people are talking about the 2005 parade where there was like a million people in the town centre and there was that incredible iconic shot of them outside St George's all about the Empire and it was full and then you hear the players saying oh this is this parade's going to be better than winning the cup in many ways and I thought God, I hope people turn up <laughs> uh, there, was little, there was little reason to worry quite mm-hmm. frankly because um, it was just a phenomenal phenomenal turnout we'll talk about the game in just a second but uh, I stood by the Johnny Miller with the kids and the wife there for about two about two hours near on two hours to be honest with you Um thinking we were going to get there 10 minutes before and just breeze it but it was a long time <laughs> waiting but incredible an incredible reaction from from uh, from the city uh, at, at what was an incredible uh, achievement yeah uh, Mayor Joe Anderson said there was an estimated 750,000 people watching it uh, I got a glimpse of them at the Chilwell Fireways uh, got there probably around about well I literally I was in a, I was at a stag doing Belfast I come off the plane drove to the Fireways straight there with my suitcase in the boot Um we managed to pick up a few few cans of beer and we we sat and waited for an hour and a half and then when they come past it was, it was unbelievable. Um you know, the 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 ATA was going past and that was getting a hero's welcome, so I was thinking what, yeah. what kind of Yeah, just blokes on bikes were getting yeah, cheers, yeah. it was amazing. What what's it gonna be like when they actually come by and then It was like did. a Tour de France on, on acid, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's a good, good way of looking at it. And then seeing it go, go down towards the um, the flyover, it was just a an incredible scene. Um just a a remarkable time to to be involved with, with the football club and, and watch them and just you run, run out of superlatives for how good that, that particular trophy played was I did, didn't actually watch the 2005 one believe it or not I, I had to work I managed to get the, the night off to watch the final but it meant that I had to work the next day so uh, like the 
uber professional I am, I went into work and uh, missed it. So it's good to see this one. And then as it comes swinging by, I was looking, thinking, where's Klopp? And I got a glimpse of Joe Thomas. And I, sh- I remember shouting, there's Joe Thomas. And <clears throat> people who were thinking, well, who's he? You know, I was, I was just one of my workmates. And then couldn't actually see Klopp. And then as it comes swinging around, there he was on, on the side of it, pair of sunglasses on, looking as cool as ever. And... Just a great moment. Just an incredible moment. Joe, yourself, did you catch any of it? Were you away or you were driving I've back got, the day off it, weren't you? Got a horrific uh, confession to make as, as the, the parade got started. I've been working in here and I, I disappeared and <laughs> drove over to Anglesey. Um, <laughs> we, had, we had like a family holiday booked, which had gone a few days late for. Um, but to be honest, I, look, I, I do love the parade. Never knew I was there in 2005, but I kind of just wanted to. All my family were in Anglesey. I wants to get over there, give me dad, my brother a big hug, and yeah, of and course, mate. Of beer and, have and your just, own parade in Anglesey. Yeah, you know, I mean, and it was great. I think the big difference with 2005 <clears throat> and this time round was that it was out the blue, wasn't it? 2005, we got to that final. Mm. We got to that final in a way where with a team that we thought, blammy, you know, yeah. we had Jimmy Triori and, and Igor Dishpan. So we got to the final, and and I think my my worry was we'd got there the year before. Uh, you know, we'd... I'm so sorry. Did you just call him Ego I've dish always pan? called him Ego Dishpan. I just thought, thought is he just. <laughs> that sounded like that Sam Caramone of not being able to pronounce his name. No, I've, always, I've always called him Ego Dishpan. Um, so I think it just felt like I was thinking oh, it's probably more taken for granted this time, but now the, the fans, uh, the people of Liverpool, the fans of the city, everyone got together and. Uh, and gave them a remarkable uh, uh, um, welcome back into the city. One thing I noticed as well, Joe, is um, how times have changed from the last European winners that we are now so much... It's so much more accessible to be in the dressing room nowadays, isn't it? There's so much more footage... I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I guess from a fan's point of view, it's great to see them all in the dressing room. I don't know whether the players, they seem to be fine with it. We are in a new digital age of yeah. multi-platform kind of stuff. But it was great to see Oxlade-Chamberlain, great to see them players just coming straight in off the pitch and and, and rejoicing it and realising the achievement that, they, that they've done. It's an amazing... I, I love watching the squad interact with each other. They, yeah. they all seem like really good mates, yeah. don't they? they? They seem like they have a great bond with the manager, all the coaching staff. You know, the, there's no... Doesn't seem to be any clicks of different, you know, maybe nationalities. You know, in the past that you hear things it was like a French click and yeah. an English, Spanish. But, you know, like you see them now and everyone's piling together, having a great time. And yeah, the, the, the scenes afterwards. I mean, I'm sure you see the same. I'm sure, everyone listening home is the same. Spraying each other's hair red and all that kind of stuff in the changes. And how many YouTube, Twitter videos did you watch in the, mm, the hours incredible. after the final in the next few days? You know. I was glued to my phone just watching anything and everything and then that one that great one the club have just put out of, of Klopp just wandering around six minutes of, have you seen it no. six minutes of the camera just focused on Klopp after the final that, missile it's great it's just the camera just followed them so they've just put that out in, in, in its entirety and you just get to see Klopp hug everyone go up to the, you know, the top players Liverpool players the referees and it's just it's just amazing there's one bit where just Alisson runs from nowhere and just they jump on each other and they've clearly got a close bond it, it is it is great and um I just can't get enough of it. You can. I don't care. I could be watching that. I could sit there and watch that all day. Well, between day. that, between that, Ghosty, and, and you, because you, you got that. I love the Klopp one of a let's talk about six, yeah. baby. It just yeah. sums the man up, doesn't it? And uh, <laughs> uh, and then you've got all that sort of stuck together stuff, and then you've got some of the the stuff that's been edited really well as well. Yeah, so you've got yeah. a mix. You've got the there's a great one through Europe now. Yeah, yeah. there's an amazing one uh, that they've rehashed that they did originally a few years ago with Sean Connery, which is oh, um, which great. is my favorite Beatles song as well. Um, in my life oh yeah yeah. Um, there are places I remember 
and it just starts with all that stuff yeah. and then it's the heartache of, of the final and, and you know uh, Salah getting pulled over and, and, and the goalie having a mare and then it kicks into the Beatles when there's when and it, you, you know it's lumping throat stuff there's so much stuff that's come out the, one of my favourite ones now is, is the one I think it's LFC TV put it out which is Klopp and he's doing the whole speech about it. it's not a it's not a th- it's not a it's not a song it's an anthem it's not a club it's yeah, a family yeah. and, and but the way he reads it and the imagery it's just phenomenal and it, as Joe says it's so good as a fan to when you've won something like that to just sit and press play yeah. on your phone or your iPad or your tablet or whatever and just watch it just gives you goosebumps doesn't yeah, it the club have been brilliant in the way they've tapped into Klopp's personality and charisma yeah. and I got him to to market certain things and that, that's exactly what he is he's, he's a personality isn't he and he's, he's one of the the, you know, most I think tactically underrated a bit, but in terms of like personality, he's one of the biggest and best in world football, and and some of the work the club have been doing with with their video team and and whatever since Madrid has just been incredible. I watched one the other day where it it kind of went through from um, all the all the Champions League wins right the way yeah, through to Madrid, great. and yeah, the, the pitches they were pitches, but it, it kind of almost like moving images. It, it was just a an incredible video I watched that and I haven't actually seen the, the latest the, the Sean Connery on so I'll have to dig that out as soon as we, we finish here but yeah fair, fair play to the club but some of the stuff they put out the last last you know two weeks has just been superb and I was like huge I was I think I was off on the on the Monday and I was just sitting there on my phone looking through through my Instagram and all of the players stories where they were on the on the uh, on the coach and brilliant what, what, a, what, what a time to, to support this football club and, and follow them well, let's talk briefly about the game. I know there's a lot of people listening to this who, who are out walking dogs while they do it because a lot of lads have come up to me and said, oh, we love listening to that. Well, <laughs> I listen to a pod, all these pods it, out with the dog. It's great. It's one of the best ways. So if you're out there now and you're just, you've just got a little plazzy bag in your hand and you're, uh, you're just about to disgrace yourself in front of your dog, um, not obviously by picking it up, not doing it yourself. Um, although, you know, whatever whatever you knows. I've been to some of their parties. Um Thanks for listening. Thanks for thanks for thanks for tuning into Poetry Emotion. I know Peter Newton does as well. He's got Ale Le Rouge, of course. I know he says he listens to what Doug's Chris Cairns, we made Paul Broughton. There's loads of his out there. And, and thank you very much for listening to it. And girls as well, of course. Girls can walk dogs. Equally as good as hashtag me too. Do you know what I mean? It's parking cars, they can't do Oh, no, sorry. I'm joking. Uh, Gales, if you listen as well, thank you for listening. We're going to talk briefly about the game. Um, before we talk about... You've, you've just raised a point there that's quite interesting because something got sent to me about Klopp's preparation for the final. The final itself, as far as football games go, wasn't exactly a pillar, was it? Let's be honest with you. No. I always find two teams in the final are so terrified of losing, yeah. so terrified of conceding, that it often stifles the game. It was a very... It looked like a very tired and jaded Liverpool, did it not, Ghosty? It did. Uh, they had three weeks off, and it, it kind of showed. But as soon as they got the, the first goal inside the first two minutes, you you could see why they, they reverted into into that shape and sort it out. And Liverpool have done that so many times. It's one well, thing we've been able season. to do now that we haven't in a long time, it, isn't it? Yeah, certainly they can always rely on, on the back four, can't they? Particularly Virgil Van Dijk. And so, so as soon as they went one nil up, they didn't have to force the issue. So they were never put under any heavy pressure by Tottenham. Where really. Allison made a few decent saves, but you never felt like Tottenham were were, um, were going to. I did, to, I've got to be honest did. towards the latter stages of the game because you have that thing as a family you go I've seen this script before especially with Liverpool where they go one up early sometimes I mean in the past they've been a nightmare old non to lead haven't they yeah. because we've got a lot more strength in the, in the back now you feel like they can ease out a game but towards the end they look so jaded to me and then I just felt before before Divock stepped up you know uh, and, and, and with a, with a 
yet again another very underrated finish. Great I mean, finish, his, yeah. his, his finish against Barcelona for the fourth goal was underrated. That mm-hmm. was that was a that was with his left foot across the right of the across the yeah. left of the keeper. Yeah. I mean, that's normally you're killing that in with your other foot, aren't you? He took it on the, on on that side. You normally end that with your right foot. Instead, he blasts it with his left foot. It's it's a, with the outside of the boot as well. Yeah, well, it was, it was two touches, wasn't it? The, the right yeah. one to shifted into the, the space, and then the left foot arrowed it right into the, the corner. Great finish and. It's a weird one with the Riga because I've never known a player to throw in so many iconic moments in, one seat, in between. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you know, mediocre performances. It's mm. it's it's a strange one with him, but he'll go down in, in folklore only forever. Well, he would have done that in December for the goal he scored in the Merseyside derby, and then just doing it again against Barcelona, Newcastle, and then yeah. the top it all off the Champions League final. Um, Incredible to think that he's come from absolutely nowhere the last twelve months, hasn't he? Yeah, with a with a pretty with a pretty boring loan spell as well, where he didn't yeah, pull yeah. up any trees. It was a, to beat uh, Lloris from that distance. It's some strike, Joe. It was an exceptional finish. Um, it was. I'd say I celebrated that goal more than I think I've ever celebrated any yeah, goal. Yeah, possibly the fourth against Barca, I think, for me. But that be, just because of yeah. the relief it gave us, I think. You knew he'd won it, didn't yeah. you? I don't know what you were talking about before. I thought it was the most horrific eighty. Whatever, eighty-two minutes between the first goal and, and Origi's goal. Like, uh, it's funny because you can you can look back in hindsight and think Tottenham ne- never really came that close to scoring. But every time during the second even, live, you're yeah, watching it. It's, oh, it, it was, was horrific. Yeah. And every time they got into Liverpool's half, I thought, here we go, here's the equaliser. Yeah, I, I must was, admit, I did myself. I did just, myself. It, it, and as the game wore on, they seemed to have more possession. Yeah. And you can understand that the first goal kind of killed it as a contest because for Liverpool, they think, well, what do you do now? You don't pile forward. Stick or twist, it's a tricky you one, isn't it? Counter. Yeah. Tottenham didn't quite know how to break Liverpool down, so it, it just became like just a sort of chess match, didn't it, between them? And it, it was absolutely horrific to watch. Yeah, it was. But as soon as that goal went I, in. And wow. I think, I, I don't know whether I explained this before, but part of the reason why I didn't go over without a ticket anyway, just to soak up the fan zone, was because it's it dawned on me a few days before, because flights were getting arranged, and I thought, and this is, you know, in hindsight, I suppose superstition. There's nothing you can do to, to work out a game, but I've never seen Liverpool. I've ne- I still have never seen Liverpool win in Europe. Um, <laughs> three finals, um, uh, game against Besiktas at the uh, in at Istanbul. Yeah. Where we got, and I suddenly went, and everyone I told it to, not one of them went. I'll fit you taking the deal with yes, stay away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I had that, I, I had a really bad feeling about about the game, and I think for me, the more it got up, went on, the more tired we looked. I thought, if these do nick one for one all here, we've got another thirty minutes. Yeah. And, I, and then I'm thinking we'll be out on our feet anyway it doesn't matter um, the only other thing to clean up penalty I th- all day I mean I, I can't you can't stick your hand out that far and the ball hits it and it's not a penalty like I I, I just for the life of me I can't understand why there's even an argument about it and, and I know you know we I was working in here and Glenn Hoddle at half time was saying it wasn't he would say that but but then the, every referee that they've asked about it said, yeah. It was well, it wasn't so much the fact that it come off his chest, first of all. The fact that he looks like he's hailing a taxi on Arden yeah, Street yeah. Uh, in, inside the box. And then he rolls it down his hand like 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 you can roll a trilby around your back when the yeah. fellas used to do. It's, it's quite clear that the whole point of his arm is that far up in the air. It means that he's obstructing the ball. Yeah, well, the new, the new way of, of referees, how they handle these situations is to, to give a penalty, isn't it? You've seen the way Manchester United got one in the last minute against PSG. Um that was probably less of a penalty mm. than the one Liverpool got, and they've given that one. So, uh, particularly in Europe, you've got to be really careful. And Sissoko's got his arm right up, hasn't he? <laughs> Manny's been probably coy and clever enough to to dink it up towards that rather than 
trying to find Salah at the back post and the referee's rightly given that I think I know what Sissoko's trying to do but that doesn't mean get a cap that, <laughs> but that doesn't mean he was pointing out a run wasn't he I think uh, Robertson's yeah. run but but that doesn't mean that if the ball hits him on the arm it's not a penalty it's all day a penalty and don't get me wrong if if Liverpool had conceded that penalty I'd be sitting here saying the absolute opposite <laughs> but <laughs> it was a penalty <laughs> so. absolutely and it was two in anyway so it doesn't yeah. matter and in the recent weather we've had where it's just been nothing but raining right we can flip that around now and say there's two ways of using the word raining isn't there you can say it hasn't stopped raining all week or you can say Liverpool are the reigning European you champions <laughs> I don't know which one I'd rather use uh, just going back to it what you were saying before about ta- about, about the underestimation of, of, of Klopp as a, as a tactician somebody got sent to me on WhatsApp very very interesting piece that I suppose you can look at um, now and go well that fits into a lovely little picture but it was about um, the choice that Klopp made in the Marbella pre-season uh, the Marbella lead up the prelude if you like to the final in choosing um the Portugal B team, wasn't it? It was it um, Benfica. Yeah. Benfica's B team, and it's come out now. No, you know, as I say, it could be that this is just very, very, you know, fits in with the picture. But supposedly they play in exactly the same setup that the Tottenham do. Um, so he chose them. He didn't choose a Spanish side because Pochettino would have found out about it, and he didn't choose a French side because Larissi thought would have found out about it. So he's picked uh, um, um, the Benfica B team, and then he lined them up. Uh, Renato Piava I'm actually looking at it now on my phone uh, he asked us to reproduce Spurs' offensive uh, um, uh, setups, so uh, and defensive tactics so he set up certain players to take the part and roles of uh, we, create, we, we recreated two of their offensive and defensive plays so there was a lot of clearly a lot of tactical nows getting used here they, they they used particular players who play in the, in the same way as Ericsson and say in the same way as Kane uh, and really set it up in 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 the in the 4231 style that Tottenham approach so you know your hats off to him he, 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 it was a sixth final he, imagine if we'd have lost that one i mean you know you are then going blimey mate you ain't going to win anything but he's really approached it in a very very canny way yeah, well, as I mentioned, they had three weeks they need to prepare, and sometimes that can be a little bit too long and a bit of a hindrance, and other times it can give you every hour of the day to, to set it up um, in the way Jose Mourinho was known for doing with, with particular games. So Klopp, you know, he's, he's taken his team away to Marbella the way he, he likes to do when there's a bit of a break in between fixtures and fostered that team spirit that we've already talked about that's so important to Liverpool. Is that the same camp he's used? He's used that since he was at Mainz, hasn't he? Um, well, it will be the, the same Marbella one, yeah. He's been to Tenerife a couple of times and, and he went to Dubai as well, but it will be the, the same it's Marbella one. the same one. one he's been using for years. Yeah. It's very high-tech in it as well. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. So, so they went there and, and trained. And then obviously that, um, that behind-closed-doors friendly against Benfica B. Um, only Klopp will, will know how important that was to, to actually winning the game on the night, but... Um, it was a, a great little bit of, um, well, use of his time, really, and use of his players' time. I think uh, Theo Squires told me yesterday, I think Mane got one of the goals. and um, Oxlade-Chamberlain. Yeah, it, it and, of a, course, the third goal was Divock Arrivi, mate. Divock Arrivi. 3-0 win, yeah. 3-0 win. Uh, so, yeah, you know, Liverpool have come away with the Champions League final and then six European Cups, so you have to say it was uh, played perfectly. Yeah, absolutely, and great ta- and, and great tactical nous. As I say, you can you can put them down to that as well, can't you? Yeah, I mean, it it doesn't fit the um, the stereotype with the you know the chest beating sort mm-hmm. of grinning Klopp, does it? To say that he's he's tactical, he's he's tactically clever, and and I think sometimes he does suffer from that. But he's clearly very switched on. And if you look back at the two Tottenham games earlier this season, although there were two wins for Liverpool, they did cause 
the Reds a lot of problems. There was yeah. a lot of, you know, especially in between the lines, uh, the way Ericsson and Ali sort of drifting in, be, in behind the defence. I think, I think Liverpool were well aware of that. I think that that's there was no surprise that they they, they sort of took took they took a plan to to try and stop them. So it is really interesting. I, I think probably a lot goes on behind the scenes that we don't know about that that goes into these games you know it, it's it's no coincidence and you know it, it, it was a good win and, and you know you look back at it and although it was horrific to watch at times they did restrict Tottenham didn't they I there think that's no, what it was I think was, it was I think yeah. it was a very restricting game yeah. once they'd gone one up because of course I suppose as a manager and as a team you, you know, you, you think, how do you react to going one behind? But you have to obviously react to every possible yeah. equation. And one is going ahead in the first two minutes yeah, yeah. and then trying to see out a game and not trying to over over overplay yourselves. Or So I guess that, that made a difference then tactically for him to say pull back a little bit. Definitely. I don't remember any times. I think there was one time when they, they chipped the ball in behind. I think Ali got in behind. I sort of vaguely remember that. But then I don't think there was any times that they really got in behind Liverpool's defence that they really caused any issues and they allowed Tottenham to have a few pot shots from distance but they were never too worried about that and and then I think the, the flip side of it is that his decision to play came probably did play into Liverpool's hands a little bit yeah. I think. it's really interesting yeah. that isn't it when you look at what the you know we discussed this Blood Red Live I mentioned it to Piercy and the fact that he the fact that Kane took it upon himself to publicly announce on yeah. his Twitter feed yeah. that he was ready was, was such a bad idea I, I must admit I was rubbing my hands when I saw that because I thought a bit of Pochettino behind closed doors is fuming at that. His hands were tired then, weren't they? Because if you don't play Kane and they lose that game, then you've forever got people saying, why didn't you play your best yeah. player goal scorer in that game? And then, you know, when you do play Kane, that, that happens. So, I mean, I think I remember the podcast before the, the final when I said I think he's going to bring Kane on and you quite adamantly said, no, he's playing him. Um, I started by saying I didn't, I didn't think he would play and then... I spoke to Adam, our Everton writer, said, oh, they always do this. They always make out like he's not going to be fit and they always start him. And it sort of jogged my memory. I think they do. They do always do that. So, yeah. yeah. Something like 23 touches in the entire match. Yeah, he didn't get a look in, did he? No. Um, Virgil van Dijk marshaled them expertly and even when, um, like a lot of strikers do, they tend to try and pull on what they might think is the weakest Liverpool defender who's, who's not van Dijk. Joe Matip stood up to it. So just incredible performance by Matip. Yeah, he's um, he's completely turned turned around my view of him. Uh, back in January, February time, I was questioning whether he was the right man for Liverpool, even if he was for choice. And he's made me look a mug, to be honest. But well, I don't know. Do you know what I think? I think I think he's made everyone look a mug, and I think part of that is down to what we've discussed in previous pods, which is the ability that Van Dijk has to settle the ship alongside him. Doesn't, doesn't matter who it is. I don't think there's been a bad. Performance alongside Van Dijk by any of the any of the deputies. So you've had, you know, we had Gomez who was just flying with him. There seemed to be this yeah. wonderful understanding, and that you know that falls apart with his leg break. Then we've even had, you know, we've had um, um, Lovren. Lovren. Lovren, sorry, Jason yeah. Lovren, who, who played better than he's played for a while yeah, alongside yeah. him. Yeah. And then of course Matty, and then he has the presence of mind to bring that ball down and just knock it sideways to Origi. It's a beautiful, little sublime little pass across. I think it was his, his only Liverpool assist. Um, what a time together! Yeah, not bad at all. He, he, I, look, I'm with Gorsi. He made me look a bit of a mug. I, um, I I wouldn't say like I thought he was okay as a fourth choice, but I thought that that was it for him. I never thought he was aggressive enough, and you know I, I think. He has been more aggressive in the second half of the season. I think he settled settled down really well. He's been consistent. His you know his passing's improved. I think he's been very very good. And but but then again I agree. I think all centre halves, Joe Gomez, look 
brilliant the first half of the season. I don't think Lovren's had any high-profile errors since what since that Tottenham game a couple of years ago. I think he takes one. so much of the pressure off the other players, yeah, doesn't he? he does, and, yeah, and does marshals it as he goes. I think, in fact, on the final, I think the only person who, who got past who, who got past. Um, Van Dyke and Woody maybe it was that fellow with the long blonde hair and the black bikini on (laughs) (laughs) thought he shot right past him the blood red podcast from the Liverpool Echo let's talk a little bit about the future then because because obviously now and we talk about players like Matip and we talk about the Gomez's and stuff and and, and De Ligt is being or De Ligt elite whatever you want to call him is being um is being, uh, you know, hoist up a flagpole every other week as being a potentially a Liverpool player. Um, first and foremost, do you think, and I've mentioned, I, I have spoken about this before, do you think that Liverpool's transfer policy is going to remain at the same kind of figures it was when it bought Alisson or when it bought, and it bought Van Dijk? Or do you think they're going to look at it and say, well, actually, we bought them out of necessity. They would they they would have reached into the well. We ain't going to do that again. If you're talking about... They're talking about Nicolas Pepe as well. I mean, but he's, he's had one really good season and they're talking 65, 70 million euros. The problem I think Liverpool have got now, and correct me if I'm wrong, lads, but are they going to spend £60 million on someone who, who might not get into the first team? Well, the better they get, the, the smaller the pool gets for the players that they can go and buy. So it's, it's difficult for Liverpool now to find a player who's going to be A, good enough for them and B, willing to sit on the bench, you know, behind Firmino, Mane and Salah. Um, you mentioned there, Pepe. There's, there's no no interest in him uh, from from what we're led to. We are in we are in mad season, isn't it? When it comes yeah, when yeah. the transfer window opens, agents are on the phone. Everyone agents are starting most of these stories off. Aren't they? Let's yeah, be honest with yeah. you. Um, at, it, it, we were told that's, that's basically where this this story originated from. Reporting France over the weekend were claiming a 50, 60 million bid for him, but there's a. There's no Liverpool interest in him, and it's, it raises the question over who they're actually going to going to be in for. Because with Daniel Sturridge leaving, it's too early for Rian Brewster to to put you know hang your hat on him. So they're going to need some sort of attacker aren't they, who's going to be capable of playing a number of positions. Chiquizzi's been floated about a few times as well, hasn't he? Yeah, he's he's, he's another one. Uh, not not really too sure about him. Don't know much about him, I'm honest. Um, but he, he he kind of put himself in the shot window himself, didn't he? Saying he'd love to play for Liverpool. <laughs> Um, so did I, but no one picked me up on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's going to be it's going to be an interesting summer. It won't be anywhere near the the, the one of last year with these. I think people have to understand that, don't yeah. they? That, that, that those two buys, one came off the back of a hundred and forty-two million pound sale. Yeah. Uh, and two were 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 ones that they'd waited for. I mean, Klopp waited for yeah. Van Dijk because he knew what he was getting, you know, to a certain extent. And the Allison situation, I think the hand was very much for us. If Lorius have had a decent final, we might not have been looking at Allison in our goal. You just don't know. Mm. So to think that that was where our transfer market uh, sort of you know poll was going to get to now, or we're, we're likely to pay seventy-five mil. It's not doesn't mean we're not. We've made a quarter of a billion in, these, in, in that season, haven't we? The little weird one, isn't it? Because I, I think. <sighs> People are desperate to see Liverpool go and get him, and there is an argument that it's great, the dream great team young, alongside yeah, him, and a great it? young defender's available. Probably quite fancies going to Liverpool. This is their best shot of attracting anyone really now. Should you go out and just buy the best? But I, I think the flip side of it is, you know, you've got to be pragmatic. And Klopp's, Klopp's a pragmatist. Neil, look at it and think, I've got Joe Gomez, who's two years older than him, who Klopp rates very, very highly. Liverpool rate very highly, and then you also got other things like the fee. The agent, yeah. Raiola, who, let's face it, I don't really think mm-hmm. Liverpool want too much to deal with him. He, look at him Look at him now. The only reason Liverpool's name keeps getting mentioned in, in regards to Dalit is because he's got an agent who, who's pushing 
pushing the price up and pushing the wages up as they go. And that, that third one is wages, 300 grand a week. That's, that's what we're talking for, for a 19-year-old lad. And of course, what that's, the knock-on effect that has in the dressing room yeah. is, that, is that you suddenly got, you know, worldies going, he's on what? Yeah. And right. that's that's the problem. If, you, if you're Van Dyke, you you knock on Klopp's door and say, you've given a 19-year-old lad who's, who's pretty much my number two in, in yeah. Holland, 300 grand yeah. a week. I want 500 grand a week and, and then you almost become in a Man United situation well, that's where exactly you're the situation, contracts yeah. that you don't want to have. You've got Sanchez on five and a half hundred thousand pound a week uh, sitting on his arse every week and, and, and then other players saying well how's he on three times my wages? It's not sustainable is it and it's and it's not right and you've got to applaud Liverpool. They've, yeah. they've got it right so far and you, you get people you know Gorsty's been getting the, the, the jib this week for being bad news Gorsty but <laughs> but they've got to understand that no. it's not just about knocking down names it's Liverpool are are trying to get get things right and so far in the last four or five years they've got everything right and yeah, I, so I, trust them and I think Gorsty if, if Klopp can be accused of anything it's of he is a master of of getting potential out of people he's yeah, a master yeah. of people playing above their levels and I think he's done that I, I read an article recently I'll mention it in a second about when he met FSG and what he was talking about uh, and why he fitted with them within an hour they decided he was a man and it was because he was basically saying that there are players here that he know he can get to play his ex-players he's played with Lewandowski and all these players have said he's a genius at making you feel like you can do anything mm-hmm. so why would he want to pay them kind of figures when he's got players there and we only have to look at what he's done with Robertson and we only have to look at what he's done with Gomez and yeah. uh, and Divock and, and all these players who have who, and, and even the likes of Milner who he's you know the guy's setting the clocks back in, and he's playing like a yeah. uh, like an eighteen year old. So it it stands to reason that Liverpool don't want to be. We never have been that kind of club, and we never should be when it's been proven now that that the the, the players he's got can do the job. Yeah, who you mentioned transfers to Klopp and he, and he bristles, and he, he he'll look at who he's got in his squad rather than going out and just replacing a a player and writing a player off. Look, Origi is the perfect example. Loads of managers would have written him off and tossed him on the scrap heap and. Klopp didn't okay he didn't move and Arika didn't want to go to Wolves I think it was last summer so he decided to stay and fight for his place and Klopp has brought him back into the fold to the point where he's a European Cup winning match hero because he does it on on, on on how they practice and he does it on how yeah, they train yeah. of course I mean it's the, the, way, the way it is now everyone is fascinated by transfers and what's going to be the next one and the biggest one but Klopp's never really been that kind of manager. Okay, he's gone out and improved the team where he's thought it's been absolutely necessary, such as his, his centre backs and his goalkeeper and, and and his midfield last summer with Fabinho and Cater. But um, you give chance, they give Klopp the chance to work with, let's say, Adam Lewis at, at the academy rather than bringing in a, a new left back who's going to be sitting on the bench in the same way anyone else would. He'd probably choose. Working with, the, working with the young players' talents and, and developing him on. Well, look at the Hover. I could never pronounce yeah, his name. Yeah. What a prospect mm. he is! Yeah, it, perfect example. Yeah, he's seventeen. He's going to have a massive future at, at the club, and it's it's all comes from Klopp's <laughs> willingness to develop the talent that's in front of him, rather than just saying to the sporting director, "Go and get me this." Don't get me another one. Yeah. It's the house of cards, isn't it? Once you pull a little bit away, once you get someone going in with an ego, uh, and I think they were talking about that with them. Um, uh, there's a player that I'll think of in a second at Liverpool talking about, and he's very much an ego player. Um, it's not Fakir, it's somebody else. I'll get to it. And this guy was saying, one of the German players maybe, and he was saying uh, he was recommending Liverpool don't go for him because he has this ego 
uh, and he's there's one 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 game he'll play brilliant the next yeah. season. Oh, I tell you, what, it was Memphis Depay. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Which he's saying, you know, just don't go for that kind of player, Liverpool, because he's he's an egotist. It all has to be about him, mm-hmm. and of course, it's about getting the balance right. And I think if there's one thing the club knows, it's the mentality of players, isn't it? I think yeah. a good example right now. You look at Dejan Lovren. A couple of reports about him um, last couple of days. AC Milan interested, and you know, I've seen quite a few people on Twitter and, and made to mind say, oh, 25 million, sell him. Fine, you can sell him for 25 million to a decent fee. And, you know, it's actually more than they paid for him five years ago, whatever that was. But the flip side of that, then, then go out and find a player yeah. as good as Dejan Lovren, yeah. a Croatian international who's yeah. played in the World Cup final, played in, well, played in one European final. And, and all the experience he's got, find someone as good as him to go and be Liverpool's for 25 mil for, for 25 yeah, for yeah. getting your money back and whose experience is he has and you can see by his delight I mean he's uh, him and Moreno celebrated that yeah, cup yeah. as much as anyone uh, you know we're a team that people want to keep uh, stay, keep playing for well, I think. I've been as sniffy as anyone about Moreno but then I think about it and I think he's a Spain international and, and he was Liverpool's second choice left back and didn't cause any issues no. Was throughout the season and obviously well involved in the celebrations, and and now Liverpool have got to go and find a left back, and they're probably going to have to take a gamble on someone that is younger. Perhaps, you know, perhaps they'll end up with, and I'm sure they they will they will find the right people. But it, it's a difficult it's a difficult one to find, isn't it? And I think it's all right to just say I'll oh, sell Lovren, but. Yeah, I've got no, to find the replacement. It's, uh, it's tough. And when you've got Andy Robertson doing a hamstring, you suddenly realise how much the house cards can fall apart. Certainly. Them from three, it's it's the dilemma he has, is he's having someone off the bench. Because if Salah, you know, who, who has remained pretty much injury-free, other than the final, he's, he's had a remarkable uh, kind of run so far, and the fact that he isn't really mm. injured. Firmino's had a couple. Mane's been pretty much injury-free, but of course it wasn't too long ago in the derby that we yeah. lost him. Yeah. Yeah. So th- it's the house of cards that can potentially fall apart, and it's just finds it. I mean, you know, every now and again you'll see stuff about Shaqiri leaving. I really hope that kid doesn't leave. Because, again, who are you going to find? £13 million if you let him go. And if you let him go, you're probably going to make money on him, to be fair. Because if you're going to sell Shaqiri, he's probably 15 plus. Yeah. But so what? Because I mean, he delivers one of the one of the crosses of the season for for um, for Man, Genie's for Genie's header. Yeah. Where are you going to find someone to replace him? And who's going to want to leave Liverpool? They're all surely going to be wanting to stick around. Yeah. Well, Shakiri said that himself, didn't he? Pretty much play after place, the final. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll be staying. And, and it was great to hear because he was he's the the ideal profile that Liverpool would be looking at. He's perfect, isn't he? I was going to say it myself. Yeah, he that can play of... play in a few positions. He's he's not going to be. Um, complaining too much that he's not in the team every week because he knows where the pecking order is and he's got plenty of talent so I think a player of his ilk would be ideally suited for Liverpool again this summer but it's it's who that's going to be um, they're going to be looking to sign someone who's got the personality to say well I'm going to knock one of these front three out of the team because I'm, I'm, the, you know, I'm the man or they're going to get someone who's going to accept that they're not going to play every week but they're going to be good enough to, to re- be relied upon when, when they do get I keep it in run. Fernandez. Uh, he's an attacking midfielder, is he? The Portugal, Portugal international. international. Yeah. Um, but again, you got Oxley Chamberlain coming back. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So you, you, you <laughs> I, don't, know, I don't think they need that position, do they now? No. I mean, they've got Oxley Chamberlain. Henderson has played there. Uh, Cater was coming, mm-hmm. you know, coming into his own. So I just think that there's only there's only three clear positions they need: a left back, back up. A goalkeeper. Right. And, uh, do we not need right back cover as well? Because I, I know Gomez can go across. Yeah, but. I suppose you'll look at it thinking, well, Gomez can't play there, but perhaps maybe you'd want a specialist. But it's hard 
to have a specialist right back or left back on the bench, isn't it? Because yeah, yeah. they can but only play in one. Unless position. you get a situation like Daniel Sturridge's for Nathaniel Klein, where he, he goes away and realizes the grass isn't greener, yeah, and yeah. he uh, he accepts that he's going to be Trent's understudy. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. and then those three positions: though, left back, goalkeeper, and a. And a another forward that can play across the front yeah. three well as we finish up most of these conversations we always say in, in Klopp we trust we've got to trust yeah, a man who has, who has brought us so much success so far well so much certainly success in the Champions League but just success on the pitch I mean the way they're playing you've got to trust that he's got a, he's got he, he knows a format he knows a player doesn't he that he wants he knows the type the type of uh, player that can play in different positions that get that, that really fights hard doesn't want any prima donnas you would think by now you know with everything that he's done and, in, and you think of all those like like transfer, you know the, the issues that we've had in the past with like sign a centre half. So, uh, remember that a few years ago yeah. when he didn't sign Van Dijk, they've got to sign a centre yeah. half, and you had every fan all, and pundit coming out and saying, putting pressure on him, he's got to do this, he's got to do that. Six months later, he went out and bought the one he wanted, and look, at the, look at the difference it's made. Incredible. I, I, I don't think there should be anyone questioning if he decides I want nobody this summer. There shouldn't be a single fan no. or pundit. Who criticises that? Mm-hmm. They should they should get yeah. on board because he's he's earned it, and so is, so is the recruitment team. And any Reds club. any Reds fans listen to this who, who 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 think that that's that's a wrong statement to make about Klopp? I was reading an article yesterday about how close Man United came to getting Klopp a season before we tried. Yeah. Well, when, when yeah. basically when Moyes had been sacked, they'd they'd flown over. They'd had the chats with him. Woodward had chatted to him. Come over here, but he'd gone back to his Dortmund boss, his, 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 who was his mate, the chairman, and said, mm, "I don't know. I don't fancy them. I don't fancy their ethos." And the, boy, they could have been going it. I mean, it's the one thing that's old uh, Taggart, isn't he? Old Mister uh, Ferguson laments is the fact that they never got, they never got Klopp, and we did. So we should thank yeah. our lucky stars that the time and the fates, the planets aligned. Um, but. Obviously, one of the reasons he wanted to come here was because he loved the, it was the fan base, wasn't it? He loves you never walk alone. He loved the fans. He loved the ethos of the club and the sleeping giant feeling that he could kind of reawaken, which he has done again. All right, look, let's move on to uh, the upcoming season again. One point away we were last season from doing, you know, a domestic and European double, which would have been incredible, wouldn't it? Um, as a whole, how do you think? Oh, that's your phone, not mine oh, for a change, Joe. Oh, that's yeah, nice. Sorry, sorry, that's sorry. all right, mate. Yeah, don't ever do it again. <laughs> EDF Energy. Is he? Yeah, I don't my phone yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you phone home, get that meter, put the, take the bricks off it and before they come and read it. Um, <laughs> I know when I was a kid, it was like Mission Impossible. The curtains were closed all the time. It was like, get behind the couch. Uh, I'm joking. Uh, right, so the Liverpool fixtures are out, if you haven't heard them. I'm not going to read all of them because there's loads of them, but uh, let's look at the first stack of it and the second, so basically the ending stack. The beginning, uh, no complaints really about the first five, five games. Gorsley, first five games, Norwich City at home. Uh, we, we kick off the league actually Friday night. Um, so Norwich City at home, you can't, you've got to imagine that we're going to get three points from that, yeah. surely. Uh, you'd imagine the club's got them fit and ready to go from there. Norwich, hopefully, a little bit rabbit in the headlights. You've got Norwich at home, you've got Southampton away, Burnley, uh, sorry, Arsenal at home. Again, Arsenal at Anfield uh, is usually a three-pointer. Uh, Burnley away, Newcastle United at home. So you've got five games there, Paul. Do you, you fancy us in, which, would, which if we can get all five of them, is a great start. Yeah, that'll take you through to, to mid-September where there might be an international break. Um, home, home draw, first game of the season. The actual curtain raiser for the season, I think it's perfect for Liverpool. It's going to be a Friday night against a newly promoted team. The fans are going to be in, in great voice to welcome home the, the European champions and... Anything other than a Liverpool victory, you can't see if I'm honest. Um, 
maybe I'm tempting fate a bit, but surely the, the Reds are going to kick it off with three points there. And then they've got the, um, the Super Cup, haven't they, in between yeah. that game? Which, so they're going to be travelling to Istanbul, Istanbul, the Ataturk Stadium with it's famous not, It's memories. not the Ataturk for the Super Cup, is, is it? it not, no? I think it's the Ataturk for the final. Ah, OK. Of the Super Cup. Yeah, so they're play, obviously playing Chelsea there, which a little bit difficult with the Southampton game a few days later, but that could possibly be on TV, so that might be pushed back a couple of days, give them a few days extra rest. And then Arsenal at home, who, who seems to just take a, a, an absolute beating, don't they? Um, yeah, just, just, yeah, in recent years, they've just chucked their hand in, haven't they? Yeah. You know, we're tempting fate there a little bit, like, because Unai Emery is, is certainly building. He's, well, he's, it depend, it'd be interesting to see what he does defensively, because yeah. their defence is woeful, isn't it? Yeah, it's funny with fixtures, because I... You always get this time, you know, the days when the fixtures come out, you get someone who goes, they play everyone twice. Oh, yeah. I'm not bothered who we play, we've got to play everyone twice. But I think it's, it's massively important. I think it's massively important. important. Yeah. 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 Massively. The build, the, 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 the running and the start. Yeah. The, I, because I think the middle of it is middle for diddle, in it? Because you are sort of in the midst yeah, of it. Yeah. But you get a good start. You get five, you, you get the first five under your belt. You're getting fifth, you know, 15 out of 15. And some fall by the wayside. You could be five, three or six points ahead. That's, that's the absolute key, isn't it? And I think every time I've seen Liverpool challenge, for a Premier League title they've had a good start yeah. it, it builds confidence it's momentum it, and confidence it builds momentum it? It, it gets people talking about you being in the mix and being a contender and I, I think the start I always look at the start and think that is particularly the, the most the one that you want and um, that that is a, as good a start as you yeah. can ask for Norwich really. City Southampton Arsenal Burnley and Newcastle you want a big team you want a big team at home don't you and Arsenal at home is a good chance to, yeah. to, to put down a marker and, and if you beat Arsenal 3-0 you're saying they're not in the title race. We yeah, are, yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so I think that's massive. I think that really, really like those those opening five fixtures. I think look at it last season. Um, you know, as you say, there people just say, "Oh, they play everyone twice," but that isn't always the case because um, City played Arsenal on on the Sunday, which was the opening weekend, and it was an Arsenal team who just just got, got together. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Emery and he had a new way of playing. He was trying to get Petacek to play off on the back, and City took full advantage of that. And by yeah. the time Liverpool played Arsenal, which was October, November time, they'd, they'd obviously got wired to how they wanted to play, and they were a much better team, completely different proposition, and ended up getting a draw. Um, so it's it's not just a case of well, well, you play everyone twice, so just get on with it, because it does matter when you play them in yeah. certain points of the season. Definitely. Well, we are City's first get, uh, fight against Liverpool is going to be a home at Anfield, and it's the it's the ninth of November, so we're talking ten, eleven game, twelve games in, I think, aren't we? Um, so let's look at the at the last seven. Games, so they're running seven games inwards. It, it's quite a tricky one, John. Uh, John, Joe, <laughs> John. No, I said Joe. Okay, good. Yeah, Joe, <laughs> Joe Dishpan. That's what I call you. Um, um, it is. It is. It is really starting. You know what? Starting uh, from City. Starting from City. Starting from City. Fourth of April. Yeah. Your home games, you're quite happy with, but those away's are all. So we've got Man City away is the first of the of the seven in the running, which is the which is the fourth of April. Man City away, Aston Villa at home, Brighton away. Burnley at home and then you've got Arsenal away and Chelsea at home and yeah. Newcastle and we're away for the last game yeah, of the season. Bit of a nightmare in May, isn't it? Yeah, those away games aren't, aren't very nice, are they? But again, I just think if, you, if you're in the title race by that yeah. stage, then anything can happen in those games. Can't it? It, 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 it changes the complexion of them, doesn't it? You know, Man City away, if, if you, you level on points or one of them's just ahead, you know, it, the, the mindsets for both teams going into that game. You know, Liverpool could be could be chasing or just leading, and or vice versa, and 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 that gives them an extra edge. Whereas early on, you know, it's it's a lot different. So I, they're tough, but I prefer a, a tough running than a than a tough start. And anyone wants to know uh, how who Everton or how Everton are playing? Everton will be playing um, as crap as they always do. 
Um, <laughs> we played them actually first of all Fourth uh, of December at home, and then we played them the Fourteenth of March. I know Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime, the first one. Yeah, that'd be. Um, Bit of a mad one. Yeah. First. A, a midweek one on Amazon Prime. Yeah. That'll be, that's a first, isn't is that it? Because their goalie's like a T Rex. <laughs> it's like a kind of a, a action adventure thing. This <laughs> <laughs> um, is very niche. He is very niche. Um, um, yeah. Just a quick one then before we go. Uh, just a little thing I wanted to talk about. Watch, watch, I want to get your opinions on it. What do you think of the uh, Liverpool's latest away kit? I love it. Yeah, I, I, New Balance do just do great kits, don't they? And well, the home one we should say is that beautiful Bob, and, and the away one is still got the Bob Paisley stitch into it as yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, but the home one's that lovely, lovely old sort of retro throwback yeah. with the little tiny white pinstripe in it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, white ones t- looks like the Tottenham home kit to me, though. It looks like Bournemouth from last season, but I, I do like it. It's I just I just don't I, like blue in it. Why are they putting blue in the like kit? Navy blue, yeah. I, to be honest, when I first seen it, I thought it was um, thought it was purple. I had to actually read the press release for it to say navy. Um, but it doesn't really bother me. It's not not royal Everton blue, is it? Um, I hope they stick with New Balance because New Balance have made so many great kits over the last four mm. or five years. Yeah, every single. Well, they got a Nike one doing that's worth a fortune, haven't they? So I think I don't think FSG are the kind of people who who who, who put much faith in in them um, in being in being loyal to people. I think it's all about the dollar sign, isn't it? And well, I think the, the, the based in Boston, aren't they? So you think that there'd be a few local connections there to, to have a word? They're looking for. Around about seventy-five million a year, aren't they? Compared to the the forty-five they're getting at the moment, they haven't actually made an agreement with anyone at the moment. But I uh, I hope they stick with New Balance. Because well, if, like you, the kids. Yeah. if you if you look at the colours of it, it's, so it's the white top and it's got the blue shorts and blue uh, blue socks as well, and is a sort of a replica colour. And I don't know whether they've looked into this of Liverpool's very first away kit, eighteen ninety-two. Oh, which is white with the blue it's exactly the same colour so I wonder whether they've gone retro with that and said let's have a hark back just before we go quickly your favourite away kit Liverpool away kit oh um, 2000-2001 the golden blue the golden blue just reminds me of the FA Cup final Michael Owen 2-1 Arsenal of my lifetime it would have to be 0809 4-1 at Old Trafford that that grey yeah Sort of, yeah, the, the grey was nice, yeah, wasn't it? I love, I love that one. Yeah. My own personal one, I think, just because it, was, it reminded me of the team of the 80s, which is the uh, the yellow crown paints with the red yeah, paint stripe yeah. in it. Just well, remember, Rushy. Can I throw one more in? Yeah, I love the um, the sort of beige style, the ochre, it was the, the ochre, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just remind the big badge, just reminds me of being a kid growing up, like middle yeah. spread away, three yeah. or draw, a little, yeah, bit, little yeah. bit spice boys, but but a good kid. And my worst one, and there's been a few dodgy ones, but I remember that green and white check one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was yeah, a killer. Yeah, yeah. In fact, yeah. I think it was the one we got beat in the FA Cup final. Yeah, one, it was. yeah the 2-2 Old Trafford. It's different though. It's funny because you have, I just remember Robbie Fowler at Old Trafford. Black kit, yeah, so. blonde, blonde air. Blonde air, yeah. So I, I don't mind it too yeah. much. I think the games make a kit. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah. Oh, of course they do because yeah. you, you become synonymous with yeah, it, doesn't it? But, yeah. uh, but that's mine. Anyway, if you've got your own favourite uh, away kit, give us a shout on Twitter. Uh, Ghosty, what's your Twitter handle again? At PT Ghost. There you go. Easy. At Joe Rimmer 88. And mine's at Fitzy Fella. Well, thanks for listening, uh, everyone. A new season beckons. Been watching the Women's World Cup? I've seen France against South Korea, and they absolutely trample them. Yeah. Uh, and then they haven't seen that much of it. America Thailand was close, 13 Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had a go, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they had a go. Seen, um, John Birchall, give, give him some credit, tweeted at 3 0. The Thailand players said, Phuket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. yeah. Fair play. Yeah. Phuket, let's get off. Yeah. Uh, all right. Thank you very much, uh, Paul. Thank you very much, Joe. Uh, until the next one. And thanks very much for, for attending the Blood Red Live. We'll have another one, no doubt, further down the line. Uh, let's look forward. We will. 
be doing more podcasts before the start of the season anyway. So just enjoy yourselves. Still wallow and still bask in the glory of Madrid. We deserve it. And if anyone moans about it, I've still got my banners up on the windows because I know the neighbours are going nuts. <laughs> well, the next doors are blue, so that's going up. There's just going to be all raggedy full of mud. You know, like, you know, every now and again you drive down Queen's Drive and you see like an England flag from the, from, from, the, from a World Cup 25 years ago. <laughs> you just think they're meffed up to the hills. Well, that'll be us. Well, right, enjoy yourselves, guys. Uh, this was another Poetry Emotion with me, Neil Fitz, uh, Paul Ghost and Joe Rimmer. See you on the next one. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.